Your lips can do a whole lot more than kiss. Your lips express love and speak your truth. Plump your lips with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC for natural-looking results that are completely and uniquely you. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there is a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to another episode of In the Know. We've had an exciting couple of weeks where the Pelicans have lost five straight games. And in the meantime, crazy shit has been happening in the country. Um, like a literal coup attempt where people storm the Capitol. Mason, what's uh, what's it been like with you, man? <laughs> Um, I really don't know what direction you want me to take that. Um, but (laughs) it, I mean, we are, I I think we're back to the season being lost if we're talking Pelicans. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, well, I'm back in new Orleans for the time being. So that's fun. Um, I, I'm, I apologize to everyone for apparently bringing weather, the Chicago cold with me. Um, I did not intend to do that and I don't like it, but, uh, hopefully it goes away soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, just here for the, uh, you know, hopefully the Pelicans will win a basketball game before I leave again. Um, but uh, given recent events, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe Sacramento is, is, is the day, um, given that even, even their defense should, should be, uh, you know, (laughs) one that the Pelicans might be able to capitalize on if they can't, you know, given the last couple of games haven't exactly been, uh, been good for them. Yeah, there's a ridiculous stat that in their last six or seven games, they're averaging 132 points a game given up. 
and that's the Kings, of course. And so if the you know the Pelicans can't score against the Kings, we we got to start asking ourselves some major questions. What are we even doing here? Um, but you know, there's a lot been going on in the league. The James Harden trade happened. That was crazy. Um, I think 13 games or so have been postponed, and there really isn't a slowing down on that process. It seems like the Washington Wizards were kind of at the root of it all, and they have like six or seven players that have tested positive, and pretty much everyone that they've played against have been put on a protocol and produced more positive results. Um, so that's not great. Uh, let's, I guess, let's talk about the the James Harden trade first. Um, any immediate reactions to that? I mean, uh, the the thing that got the biggest reaction for me was what came out after the trade with uh, uh, Fertitta. Apparently, there, there's a, a apparently a, a well sourced rumor that there was no way he was going to deal with Daryl Morey, and leads me to believe what we kind of talked about a little bit already, um, maybe off to the side in our, our group chat around. Um, I don't see how a package with, with Ben Simmons was in, would have been inferior to what they actually got and kind of was saying that from the start. And now that we heard the stuff about maybe they didn't want to deal with Daryl Morey um, kind of makes more sense now. And I mean, I think, you know, they got everything they possibly could from Brooklyn, but also like there's, they didn't get any elite, you know, no single awesome asset for a top five player in the league. You know, you got a bunch of stuff that could, that could turn into good stuff, but I think you just need at least like one, like even with the the AD trade, um, you got in the, the fourth pick was at least something you knew was legit. Um, obviously, you're, you're buying on, and you've got young talent like Lonzo and Ingram, and you don't you don't know what those guys are going to turn into at the time, but you've at least got flyers. Whereas, I mean, the players obviously Houston wanted no part of the players. Levert went to in Indiana. Um, Jared Allen, I think you know, he's young, but I think you can kind of see his ceiling at a point that's not going to be some sort of superstar or even star. Um, so, I mean, long, long way of saying that I don't, you know, I didn't love it for Houston because I don't feel like they got any sort of amazing asset in return for one of the best players in basketball. What are you talking about? The centerpiece of the trade was shedding salary. So you could buy a $150 million <laughs> yacht. I mean, oh, <laughs> what, what else is there to a trade players? Oh. I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> But, you know, that is kind of ironic there that news came out that he bought a $150 million yacht. I missed um, that. <laughs> yeah, well, he did. He did do Incredible. that. And, Incredible. Um, yeah, but we can't, we're not allowed to use the MLE. Don't do it. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. I, I don't think there's a, a single attractive piece, but it kind of replenishes the war chest in a sense that the Rockets have sent all their picks away um, in that Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook debacle. And so they have a lot more, you know, I guess – draft capital than than they started off with and that's just fine i i assume they're not done they're probably going to want to deal if pj tucker who i'm sure has interest all around the league they're probably going to want to deal eric gordon who's a terrible contract i don't know who wants him do you Um, think so i think that's interesting because i mean they did get oladipo who's who's a guy in his prime injury prone obviously in a contract year and so i could you know i could see them obviously flipping him at the deadline to a contender possibly or i mean that team that houston's built it's a play. I think it's a, you know, at, at minimum, it's a uh, playing game team. And I, I think it could be a playoff team. Um, I mean, nev- not making it out of the first round, obviously, but it, it does feel like they put, they have a roster that's at least is, is decent. No. So you, you think that they're going to do a fire sale towards the deadline? 
Yeah, I think their roster is terrible. Interesting. I don't think huh. it fits together. I, I don't, given how they've started, um, I, I think they're beyond the point of return. And the Oladipo thing, if they can get something for him at the deadline, especially with that enormous trade uh, exception that Boston has, um, great. That's what I would look into if they can re-sign him at a reasonable deal and then flip him a year or two from now. Great. That's also what I'd look into. Um, I do think it's probably in their best interest to be semi-competitive in the, in the years they don't own a pick. Um, just because, I mean, I guess there's nothing to lose at the sunk cost at that point. It doesn't really matter if you're bad or not. Um, but, you know, it's the whole like, ah, oh, well, I didn't, you know, give up the number one pick or whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to be good. I really don't. So, and and, and I'd, I'd be in full asset accumulation mode if I'm them. So Wall, Oladipo, Tucker, Wood, and whether you want to say Gordon or like uh, Daniel House, like that, that feels like a team that's reasonably, that, that's decent. Um, I, I guess maybe you can, the, the defense is certainly a question mark, <laughs> but I feel like it's, that, that's, that's not a bad offensive team. And I think it's, competitive i guess i i i think they're maybe a little bit better than you do i guess yeah i just think that we're gonna see how much james harden made guys like tucker and daniel house That's um, fair. and jay sean tate and all those you know scrappy wing size players look better with the shots that he was creating for them um and you know wall is a good shot creator himself he's not james harden teams will be able to key in on him in a way they couldn't with james harden who they were literally sending doubles and triples at the moment he crossed the the half court. So um, things are going to be a little bit different. It'll be interesting to see. Nonetheless, I will definitely be upset if, you know, that's the team the Pelicans lose against um, when they play them. And, and you're right. I I also don't think they're very deep. You know, if wall goes down, like who's the shot creator on their team. It's gotta be old Depot, right? That's, that's pretty much their only option because it's not Gordon. It's (laughs) not, it's no one else. So, I mean, that, 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 that's definitely a fair point. They're, They're not deep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and the same thing with their big situation is, you know, if Wood goes down, what do they have? Like, you know, if Boogie goes down, what do they have? So big question marks there. Um, not going to dwell on them too much. I do think, uh, I do want to open it up back to my favorite player in the world. Do you think it impacts the Bradley Beal trade market in any positive or negative way? Um, well, I think... I'm less inclined to believe it, it, it impacts the price for Beal, but it, now it's pretty clear that now that now Harden's moved. So any team that was like trying to like maybe, even though it kind of seemed like it was either Philly or Brooklyn for James Harden, any team that thought they may or may not have had a little bit of a chance to go get James Harden. Um, now I, all eyes are on Bradley Beal, right? I think he's very clearly the best player who's gettable. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, and especially given what we're seeing with, I, I, I thought the Wizards were a eighth or ninth seed with the team they put together once they made the Russell Westbrook trade. Uh, obviously they're having a ton of issues with COVID and who knows like how that plays out and what that, what that ends up doing to their schedule from a backloading perspective, but they clearly haven't been as that good. Thomas Bryant, who I thought was having a really nice season so far is out for the year. So that team should be in sell mode at this point. I, I don't think you can realistically expect that they're going to make a push at the playoffs and so, so yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a ton of teams keying in on seeing them at the, what they can, you know, what they would have to get up to get, get your boy. Yeah. And I don't think it's one of the situations where Maury is putting Ben Simmons on the table for Bradley Beal. Um, I don't think that's happening. And it's just like, I don't think 
I think teams will look at it like, okay, well, there was no tremendous centerpiece in the Harden trade. There's, there was no tremendous centerpiece in the Drew Holiday trade. What's the reason for us to put a big old centerpiece in for Bradley Beal? We'll try to overwhelm him with assets. And I definitely think the Pelicans are in a better situation than most when it comes to that, should they want to pursue that opportunity, which I hope they do um, if it's there. But speaking of the Pelicans, I guess this is a way to bring the conversation back to what's going on. Five straight games that they have lost, uh, three at home, two on the road to the LA teams. Uh, the first game on the road against the Clippers was a big relevation with Nikhil Alexander-Walker scoring a career high, 37 points, um, which I had to check. I think it's higher than JJ's career high as well, which might make it the second highest career high on the, on the team. Um, but I'll have to double check that. I don't think, I don't think JJ has gone for 40 in the league uh, yet. In any case, that was, I felt like a huge win uh, in terms of seeing that kind of productivity out of him. He then followed it up with 12 points on five of eight shooting uh, in only 20 minutes against the Lakers team where he had a lot of foul trouble and he struggled with the speed and length of um, of Dennis Schroeder. And he turned, coughed the ball up more times than he should have. I think he had four or five turnovers, which is not, not great. And the turnovers ended up killing the Pelicans um, in, in a game that, that could have been headed towards uh, a pretty big margin, kept the Lakers in it. And the Lakers just kind of upped the defense on the second half and throttled the Pelicans offense, uh, which is a story we've seen in second halves over and over again. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, any, any quick takeaways from those games? Yeah. I mean, they're both really good teams. I think that's where you have to start. Um, and even though the Clippers haven't had a ton of success defensively this season, they've got a talented perimeter of defenders with, uh, with Beverly, George and Kawhi. And so to see Nikhil make an impact like that, just feel, I think that's the way I describe him in one word is fearless over the last couple of games. Just no, no, uh, no concerns whatsoever about attacking good defenses uh, are good players. And I think he, you know, he, he certainly overperformed what you'd expect against the Clippers, but came crashing back down to earth against Lakers, partially because of the foul trouble. I mean, I, I, I would have loved to see what he could have done in a full comp with a full complement of minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, he's, that's that we couldn't you know see that happen because of the fouls. Um, but you know, that's, it's, it's a, that's a couple tough games for a guy to just be thrown into the starting lineup and play huge minutes against. Uh, and, and so I'm overall, obviously very pleased with how he played um, and you're going to see some, some growing pains too. So I, I just think, you know, we, we can criticize the, his game against the Lakers last night but also understand that it wasn't exactly an easy easy matchup for him and he's still he's you know year year two and didn't even play that much in year one because we had to see what frank jackson was worth right (laughs) jesus yeah no i feel i feel like i feel like the pelicans can't hurt me that much this year unless you know obviously star players get injured and whatnot um mainly because i had them as a ninth or tenth seed i didn't expect them to to make the playoffs before, you know, well before this road trip happened, um, I had them going one for six or two for five on the seven game road trip. The first game obviously got postponed. Uh, they're over two against the two LA teams, which I think even if the Pelicans had their full arsenal players healthy, uh, they would not have won those games. I, I really don't think that. I don't think they're a good enough offensive team and, mm-hmm. and those teams are, 
I think LA is the best. Uh, the Clippers are the best three-point shooting team in the league, and the, the mm-hmm. Lakers are the third best. Um, so their shooting is also kind of designed to take advantage of the one glaring weakness the Pelicans defense has. Uh, and so those, those games are a loss for me. I also think, you know, the Jazz game is likely going to be a loss. I also think, you know, the Dallas game, which got postponed, would have been a loss. Uh, you know, the, the games I was looking at for wins were Sacramento and, and Minnesota. Um, yeah. And- yeah. I mean, I, I think the, any, any like this Pelicans team, this version of this Pelicans team and how they want to play, um, yeah, the, the defense, you're, you're spot on in types of the types of opposing offenses that will give this team trouble, but also anyone with an AD, a Gobert type player inside the Pelicans are going to struggle to score <laughs> just because of the way they want to get their points and the way they're structured to get their points. And so uh, I, I'm with you that I feel like um, despite all the craziness that happened with the jazz games last year, I think this is a very, this, that's a very bad matchup for new Orleans. Just like AD is an awful, like you saw what he did to Zion last night. I mean, he was, he, he well, they put him, they put him on Ingram, basically the duration of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, outside of being on Zion for, for small moments and Ingram like did not score a point. No. Yeah. So it's, it's a, definitely a, a struggle. Now on to sleeper sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product. Unlike anything else in the industry. And now you can make money on sleeper too, by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper, it's the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game and have fun with your friends and most importantly, make some money. Make sure you use that promo code BLUEWIRE and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper, then use promo code BLUEWIRE when you deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. A matchup on both sides, the Lakers. And so that's why this was always... I feel like the Lakers game was going to be a recipe for disaster because of how bad of a matchup on both ends that Lakers team is. And obviously they're, you know, they won the championship. They're probably the best team in the league this year uh, again. And and so they're going to be a tough matchup for anyone, but the Pelicans it's exacerbated because of, you know, what they want to do on both ends and how it just doesn't, doesn't fit with it's It's kind of diametrically opposed to what the Lakers are trying to do. And so, um, so anyway, we should just kind of, I think we just move on from, from that game. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive your personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks 
And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all their listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com join. Moving on now, you know, Eric Bledsoe kind of looked terrible in the eyes. You know, he's had that eye irritation problem that kept him out of the Clippers game. He, he didn't look like he quite opened his eyes um, in the Lakers game. It's probably one of the reasons he came off the bench. I also thought he came off the bench because I think they wanted to put Hart on, on LeBron um, because he's probably the only guy strong enough and sound enough to attempt to guard LeBron. Um, not that he can handle LeBron, but, you know, attempt to handle LeBron. Uh, Zion is Zion and Ingram is too small and all the other guys are too small. Um, and so, but going forward, do you think there's going to be a change in the starting lineup? And if so, what do you think that looks like? Um, so one qualifying question, I don't know if we have the answer. What's, do we know Lonzo's status for tomorrow night? Is he definitely out or is it still TBD? I don't think it's officially uh, announced yet, but uh, a birdie told me it could take a few games for him to get back, but it's not serious. So maybe he's back. Maybe he's not. Uh, and this was before any of the LA games. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, he, he, maybe he's out for, for another two more. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I might, I, I think we might disagree on this one for a change. And so I think, uh, um, I think if, if Zoe is healthy, I, I, I really do believe they're going to go back to the normal starting lineup. Um, that said, uh, I, I think Nikhil has more than earned himself a, a role uh, as, as honestly, I, he'd be the first guard off the bench for me. Um, understanding that Hart is more of the three in this situation since the Pelicans don't really, or backup three since the Pelicans don't really have anyone behind Ingram. Um, but but <laughs> the way he's playing and the way JJ's shooting, I know slumps are just slumps and JJ is one of the best shooters in NBA history and hopefully he's going to bounce back from it. But I'm, I, I want Nikhil as the first guard off the bench here and getting sizable minutes. And the, what I've been kind of echoing for the last few games is that I really want to see two of three of Nikhil, Bledsoe, and Ingram on the floor at all times. And I think the best way to do that is either you got to bench, you got to put either Bledsoe or Nikhil off the bench if you do that. And I'm, unless, unless Bledsoe still, you know, it has eye irritation, shouldn't be, you know, starting. Like I, I firmly believe he's, a, he should be the starting, one of the starting two guards on this team. So, um, so it's either Nikhil or, um, Nikhil or Bledsoe to me. Uh, but as as long as Nikhil is getting 20, 25 minutes a night at this point, I'm not going crazy about having him be in the starting lineup. And I'm, I'm okay to give Lonzo a little bit more shot because he's shot. Uh, and I, I know that, you know, he shot pretty well overall last year, very streaky, obviously. And he's been terrible shooting the ball this year. I think he's better than what we've seen so far for, uh, from beyond the arc. And I think I, I'm okay with him being in the starting lineup. And as, he, as long as he continues to fulfill that role that he's fulfilled defensively and the shooting can get back on track. Um, but I imagine you don't feel the same way. <laughs> I don't, I don't really have a strong take towards that. I, I'm fine with okay. any of those outcomes. As you said, if Nikhil is getting minutes, that's great. I, I, you know, selfishly, I would want Nikhil to be in the starting lineup in some way or fashion. I don't care who, who is benched um, at this point. 
I could see good arguments for both. And, and to me, that doesn't matter. The more important thing is getting the minutes to Nikhil. Um, because the way I see it, I don't think either of Lonzo or Bledsoe are part of the long-term future on this team. I don't think JJ is a part of the long-term future on this team. So to me, there's those minutes where they come from in what order they come from. They're meaningless. I, I don't care. Um, you could take away all of JJ's minutes for all I care. I wouldn't mind at all. Um, so as long as Nikhil gets that starting spot and gets, you, you said 20, I want 30, you know, I want 30 minutes for him. Um, that's what I want. Whether that's going to happen. I doubt it. I, I very much doubt that he's going to get 30 minutes a game. Um, I feel like that'd be too big of a leap of faith for uh, a rigid guy like Stan. And so it's probably more likely to be in the way that you described, go back to the starting lineup who has been good. You know, the starting lineups mm-hmm. and right. beating up people. Uh, so there's really not a need to make a pressing mm-hmm. change there, but um, I, I really, at this point, um, we got to have an honest conversation about if playing JJ gives you any value whatsoever. Hmm. Yeah. And he's your best shooter. He's your vet. And he's not going to be one of those guys that he's going to be pissed off if you bench him, you know, if he's getting DMPs. So you can't do that. Um, but he just doesn't have a long-term future on this team. And I get the whole veteran leadership, blah, 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 whatever. To me, the time is up and David Griffin should do JJ a favor and land him on a team of his choice or send him to a team that will buy him out and that will allow him to go to a team of choice. Um, that's where I am at with JJ. There's two other guys we need to have honest conversations on. Um, one is Melly, mm-hmm. and the other is Josh Hart. Um, you know, we've been Lonzo, 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 but like, those guys are underperforming. Melly is basically Kenrich out there. Uh, he can't hit a shot. He can't score a point. At least Kenrich gave you defense. Right. Kenrich would, you know, give you rebounding and draw charges and stuff. And, you know, Melly's a big body. He's a big warm body out there, but he's not doing any favors. You know, I, Jackson Hayes played eight minutes last night. Um, and for all of Jackson's faults, I much rather sink with him than sink yeah. with Melly. Sure. And, yeah. and, and so, so that's where I'm at, you know, Melly, Melly's got to go. Um, mm-hmm. And then Josh Hart, who I don't think has to go, but he's left a lot to be desired offensively. And it could be that he's taking a bigger role defensively. Um, that's making his offense hurt. But I also think, again, um, you could, you could point to a lot of offensive problems coming from the lack of creators on the team and the lack of good shot creation and a lot of the lack of easy shots. And Hart was one of those guys who greatly benefited from the high paced gentry offense that allowed them to shoot early threes, early corner threes early. Um, mm-hmm. And, and those are good looks for him. And he barely has any of that. And I feel like he's a bit in his head. And so he's had a lot of nights where the shooting just not there. And again, he's giving you effort. He's giving you rebounding and all of that, but He's not a person, you know, I think we, we had a disagreement on the pod uh, when he didn't get the extension on like what his value should be. Um, and I, I feel like at this point, the Pelicans were right not to extend him a, an extension, kind of let that market play out because I think they can get him for really cheap. I think they can get him for like $8 million a year or cheaper. 
Yeah, yeah. Lots to dig into there. I, I feel like, uh, first of all, I, you're, I, I agree wholeheartedly with the fact that if there's going to be a, a change in sort of the minutes distribution, it's got to come from the front office. It can't come from, it won't come from Stan. And when I, mean, I say that, I don't mean Griff's going to tell Stan what to do. I'm saying it's a trade. It's, it's a move to force the minute distribution that you want, uh, you know, thinking about this team. And, and so the one, the one could, because if you don't, if you start giving players like Redick DMPs or, or put, or move Bledsoe to the bench in favor of Nikhil, like there are players on this team that all want to win games, right? Like how does, for example, how does Steven Adams feel if you're making those types of decisions and trying to, uh, you know, thinking of trying to do that, take that delicate balance of the future versus now, but making a move that clearly might make the team uh, a little bit worse in the near term. I mean, there, there's these guys competitors who want to win games now. And so that there, there is a risk there. And so that's why I do think that, like you said, I mean, if it's getting JJ to a contender or if it's, you know, another move that, that kind of, crystallizes the rotation a little bit more even if it makes this team a little bit worse like i'm at this point i'm i'm, I'm okay with it um and uh to, to get back to the, to the broader point i mean i uh around the the players we need to have conversations about besides jj i mean yeah i i don't think melly should see the floor again this season full stop like there's nothing to be gained there he's not going to be on this team after the season he's been terrible he shot he shot last year pretty poorly too i don't think you know i feel like that gets kind of glossed over that oh he's a floor spacer for zion that those that two-man combo did okay last year well i mean the the this three-point shooting from melly has not been good and that's what he brought him over to to, to do and so uh, whether it's a four, you know, playing BI at the four and doing more three guard lineups, which helps to get more of your young guys in, in the, in the rotation or playing Jackson Hayes more, or I don't really, uh, this is just me being a fan, I guess. I don't really care if Gabriel hasn't practiced, but once, I mean, I still think it's, I'd rather go see what he can do and just go body up some folks. Um, but uh, yeah, but I mean yeah, like, I mean, okay, I'm, Melly's practice. How's that helping? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> me- like he, Melly's Melly's uh, more experienced, or Melly is a better fit uh, than Jackson Hayes. Like, okay, cool. Well, his he's trash. So, like, whether what whatever Yikes. his perceived skill set is, he hasn't he hasn't been good. So, um, yeah. And well, I mean, that's it's the thing where like, okay, one, you're not hitting shots. Two, you're turning them down. And so, you know, a lot of guys who are bad shooters can kind of make up for it by taking a lot of them, and and that creates some kind of attention that the defense has to give you. He just doesn't do any of that. It's literally like Kendricks. You're not getting shot attempts up. And so, you know, if you, you, you can have a guy um, where you can just spot him three points. You can just like, you have three points for free and you know, he's not going to do anything else the rest of the night. And, and he's going to kill your offense. And that's, that's, that's what Melly is. Even if you gave him a free three points, which at this point would be an improvement, um, he doesn't improve the offense in any other way at all. Teams don't have to pay attention to him. And, and I just, I, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. Uh, but the good thing is that JJ isn't expiring. Melly isn't expiring. Um, you know, those two combined get you around the $17 million range, uh, which can, you know, you can take back a decent contract in that. Um, Lonzo can be treated as an expiring um or, you know, a flyer, depending on, on how a team feels for him. Those three can really boost you into a high-level salary space if you want to go acquire someone. Um, Pelicans do have an issue with the tax, so it's a little bit harder to to make uneven trades. But there, there's a window of players that they can get, and I think the Pelicans should be looking into trading 
two of those three or all three of those three as kind of expirings or as helping a team get off long-term money and taking some sort of asset back. Um, it's really I, hard to identify what those players are. Uh, so that, that's a bit of a challenge, but I, you know, that's kind of what I'd be exploring at this point. Yeah. And, and the one guy that I think makes a lot of sense. And, and honestly, like if, if you could do something that puts that, and I, I maybe you can't, I don't know if you can quite get there with just Melly and uh, and JJ, but you may not even need to move on from Lonzo as well. If, if you're trading Mel, if you're trading Melly and JJ together and getting like a, a hybrid three four or a guy who can play at the four, um, who maybe gives you a little bit of defense and shooting, I mean that that solves a lot of your rotational problems in the backcourt too. And I think you could even like if you want to give Lonzo a little bit more time, you could you could do that and still be able to play your young guys. I mean, you probably don't get you don't get uh, Kyra as much minutes as you would probably want, or a lot of fans would probably want. But other than that, you could, you could make it work. But um, so I, know, I know you mentioned Harrison Barnes and that's, that's an intriguing name for, for me as well um, for, for a lot of reasons. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the long story short is that I, the, there's a trade coming in my opinion, whether it's in a week or just before the deadline, I think it has to happen to force the right rotation and, and the minutes of the guys who, who need them. Yeah, well, it's kind of this weird position where David Griffin finds himself in a situation where he's selling low, and it's mm-hmm. what they wanted to avoid after the right. bubble, where they were like, well, a lot of our guys underperformed, and so we don't want to sell low on them. Let's see if they can build their value back up. And I feel like at some point, you kind of have to cut your losses and be like, okay, you take what they can get. But it's going to – I bring this up because it might be difficult to find a trade that – the Pelicans are happy with. Um, But again, like I said, at this point you could trade all three of those guys for a second round pick. And I just would not mind. I think, I mean, I think that's fair for someone like Lonzo, but I, I guess maybe I'm naive, but I would hope that I I never thought that JJ had this massive value around the, around the league. Like I never thought he was going to net you a first round pick in return. I thought that was kind of a crazy talk, but I I think I I would hope that a, a few weeks of poor shooting wouldn't uh you know distract from his entire career being such a great shooter and i i I, it's a slump right i i don't i really don't buy into something that would say oh you know jj's age is finally catching up with him in some parts of his game obviously yes i'm not as quick to believe that from a shooting perspective i just i feel like he's going to figure it out and and be that be able to be that rotation uh bench player who can who's who's always a threat and teams have to be paying attention to while he's on the floor um, and so hopefully that, you know, this recent slump hasn't done a ton to negatively impact his trade value, but um, not, not the same story for guys who don't have as much of a track record in the NBA. Yeah, I think, I, I just think with JJ, you're going to get to a point where teams know the longer you wait, you're going to basically end up in a situation where you might have to buy them out. And so they will hold on and, and you're right. I think the max you can get for him is like a second round pick. Um if you, if you wait too late. Yeah. I, th- I really think if you want more than a second round pick, it's, it's a situation where you utilize his expiring contract value um, and, and take back some negative contracts. So tough situation there, tough situation there with Hart, tough situation there with Melly. Um, really. I think that just talks about the rest of the roster where it's like you have BI and Zion, you know what you're going to get out of them on a night to night basis, mostly right. Uh, last year you had drew, you could 
with even with all his inconsistency, he was good for 19 points a game, six or seven assists a game, um, capable of of more than that. Obviously, you knew what you were getting out of him. I think more so than anything, the Pelicans are missing a third guy. Where every night, okay, B.I. and Zion do their thing. It's like Russian roulette with who's going to be the third guy that steps up. Uh, and and sometimes no one does. Sometimes it's just no one. It's just those two. And that's that's a major issue to me. It's just no consistency on, consistency on a night-to-night basis. And I'm bringing it back to the Nikhil Alexander-Walker <clears throat> talk. I, I hope that he can be a guy where you can rely on at least – uh, in some form on offense, like maybe not every night, but maybe three out of five nights, you know, or four out of five nights. And that, that would be an improvement on two out of five nights or one out of five nights. Um, and and that's kind of where we're at is just there, there are a lot of roster flaws as constructed. Um, do you, so do you think with all the roster flaws, with all the lack of depth um, that the Pelicans front office was aware they had these issues going in or do you think they kind of knew that you know these are going to be our shortcomings and we're okay with the chips falling as they do yeah i mean i'm sure there, there's obviously going to be some level of optimism right like you you hope that lonzo gets back to the shooting that he was doing before the bubble uh, rather than in the bubble um and then you've got uh, other rotation players like josh hart played pretty i mean like you said we, we were we had a discussion um where it looks like the pelicans made the right call with not extending him uh, about you know what, what kind of step he could take this year so i mean there was reason for some optimism some tempered optimism but i mean at, the reality is that there was a lot of this team needed a lot of things <laughs> over the summer and so you, you can't solve every problem and it, you can i guess you could solve more of them if you're willing to just say well we may have to give up more future assets. We may have to take on more salary that might hurt us in a year or two. Um, and so the Pelicans had to balance the now this season versus the, the long term with a, such a strong, uh, some st- strong cornerstones as BI and Zion. And so, uh, I, I mean, I think they did what they could. And they, pri- I mean, this is this is what comes out with front offices. You've got to prioritize what you, your needs and balance short versus long term. And I think they did a decent job of that. But the reality is we. You know, they traded away Drew Holiday, who's a top 25 player in the league, and didn't get back. I mean, I, I like Bledsoe, but they they weren't getting back a player who's who's near Drew Holiday's caliber. And so um, in terms of how much you can count on, like you just said about Drew. And so, um, you know, it's it's tough, but it's not way out of what was, I think, most reasonable people anticipated for this team, which was about a 500 ball club um with some improvements in some areas uh and some steps back in other areas and so uh it just depends on how much you want to focus on this year versus your your view of the uh the long term so um what what, i mean what do you think yeah i mean i ultimately i do wish there was a clearer direction the team was taking instead of trying to thread a needle of of being good and and being for the future uh it would be nice kind of having that idea, but it also is one of those things where you don't know what you don't know until you try it. And so like, I give them, I give them the credit for trying to be good this year um, because they're like, okay, maybe we will be good. Maybe, you know, Bledsoe isn't that much of a step down from Drew and maybe Adams turns things around and Adams has been fantastic. Um, and maybe, you know, there's enough internal growth um, from Lonzo and Hart and you know, the other young players that this is a good team. You know, this is a this is close to the team that was winning games 
um, pre-bubble uh, in, in that stretch from February to March or whatever. And I think there was, there's enough reasons for them to try that. Uh, I think it's getting clear that it's, that's probably not going to be the case. Um, what I, what I hope that they don't do is, you know, they're like, Oh, well, we just don't know yet. Oh, we just don't know yet. Well, we just don't know. Yet. I, I, I think we know who this team is, um, which is weird to say, you know, 11, 11 games in, but it, it is what it is. This team is what it is. Um, and so now that we know it's just a matter of when are the transactions going to happen that kind of solidify the direction of the team. And, and that's not something that can be rushed because you don't, you don't want to make deals under pressure. You don't want to make deals at a disadvantage. And it's not about bringing the value up for guys. It's just, you know, NBA GMs are procrastinators like all of us. They'll wait until a minute left from the deadline, you know, to pull the trigger on a deal. And so this could be something where the first half of the season, this is what the Pelicans are, you know, and they just kind of have to rotate the chairs on the Titanic. Um, and, and that sucks, right? Because, you know, a guy like BI, a guy like Steven Adams, a guy like JJ just absolutely does not want to be in a situation where the team isn't that good. Um, and so, yeah, it, 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 it might be a long season. So the the one area I'll push back on is I feel like, well, I'll start with one question to you. Do you feel like there's any players on the roster right now that are vastly out or are having a run that's over what you expected from them? And, and then you think they're going to regress as the season moves on. Like, I feel like, I feel like BI is taking another step in terms of playmaking, but I don't think, I think we, he's shown enough to us that I feel like that's sustainable. Are there any players you feel like are unsustainably good right now for the Pelicans? No. Okay. So that's, that's kind of where I'm going with this is that I think Lonzo's on shooting unsustainably bad from three. I feel like, um, so is, I feel like JJ is two to an extent, what, no matter, I mean, I don't know if he's moved or when he's moved. And, and the other piece here is Nikhil. And so I feel like if Nikhil, we get somewhere in between what we saw against the Clippers and what we saw against the Lakers, and he can be a true sixth man. I do think this team is underperforming what they're capable of on a night to night basis. I don't, I don't think they're that much better than what we're seeing right now, but I do think they are better. And so, um, you know, I, I think if you see positive regression from a couple guys like that, um, you, you have a more consistent team that, that is, can be more dynamic than just saying BI is our creator or BI and Bledsoe are creators and we've got nothing else to show for that. And, or we've got no one who can shoot the ball from the perimeter, which is, which I think they're uncharacteristically bad right now. So um, I, I expect moderate improvements from this team. Uh, just as the sample size grows, but, but to your point, it's not going to be a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, moderate improvements in this team take you from four and seven where they are now to maybe five and seven or six and seven, but it's still like, it's not taking you from four and seven to seven and four. Um, at least I don't think so. And, and so I, I get that. I get that, you know, like JJ is not a 28% three point shooter. Um, I get that Lonzo's probably a better shooter than what he's doing. I just, I don't think, I think even with those positive regressions, they're not going to be a great team to where I, I want them not figuring out um, a more solid direction. I think they're just, yeah. you know, I think more, the positive, in fact, I, it would almost be preferable. This is weird to say for them to not have that positive regression so they can make a decision on their roster rather than being that in-between place where they have that positive direction. You're like, Oh, well, I don't know who they are. 
Yeah, I, I guess I'm just not quite there yet. We've played, what, 11, 11 games. And I, I, I feel like I'm saying that, but I'm also thinking Griff's thinking that because you've got to be so like what? The, the, right now, what are we looking at for the standings? It's the Pelicans are four and seven. They're a game and a half back of the 10th seed. And so I think that's the, whether you like it or not, like that's the view here. There's a lot, there a lot of teams, you can make the playoffs if you're the 10th seed. And until the, it, it looks very clear that, that that's not a realistic possibility. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to see a, a significant change in the philosophy here. I do think that, you know, like we talked about before, I still think that, for example, trading JJ or, you know, or, and clearing up some uh, more minutes for guys like Nikhil, or even Kyra is a, is a still an option while you try to go get a playoff spot. Um, so I guess, and maybe we're agreeing and just saying different things around, you, you know, you yeah, make a moderate change the rotation, but, and, and not, um, and still try to make the playoffs. It's not like we're just saying, uh, just punt everything and, and, and tank, you know? Yeah. Like and if you get, get a guy like Harrison Barnes or, or Tad Young or, you know, a, a three, four, like those guys are, are good players, you know, they'll, they'll make this team better than it currently is. Um, but it, it solidifies the direction the team is going, in my opinion, because those, those younger guys are getting minutes at that point, you know, and, and to right. me, the biggest win that can happen this season is discovering what Nikhil Alexander Walker is or discovering that, you know, like Kyra's a, a future starting point guard. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you make those kind of discoveries this season, that's an enormous win more so than, you know, making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you've got as far as the, the front court goes or even wings, you've only you've got one player you want to get minutes to and see how he does. And that's Jackson Hayes. Other than that, you've got a couple guys on minimums. You've got Melly, who's not going to be on this team after the season, um, possibly sooner, hopefully sooner. And, and then, and so you're just, we're just talking about if you want, if you can add a guy who's going to help a kind of backup three, backup four, and, and you can in doing and in doing, finding a guy like that, you can free up minutes for your young guards Hell yeah, absolutely do it. I mean, obviously, I'm not telling you, I'm not saying Griff should trade another draft pick for something like that. Definitely not. But if you can make something like that happen, and even like you said, if, if you can take on a contract and get a pick in the process, somebody you think will help the team in the near term, I, I'm not. I, I'd rather do that than just say, eh, let's let's go get a uh, let's go get a top three draft pick and just forget about competing this season. Uh, e- even though we're we're in a, in a weird year with no fans in the stands, I'd still rather take that former approach. One thing I would be disappointed with is if they do the same thing as last year, which is nothing. They didn't do anything at the deadline last year. And I feel like if that happens this year and there's no change made, then that's a problem. And and there probably needs to be a top-down directive at that point to just completely open up the, the rotation. But who knows? You know, maybe by the deadline, they're just a really good team. I don't know. Maybe maybe this is this is not the Pelicans. This is the anti-Pelicans. Pelicans, come on. That was sitting right in front of you. Boo. <laughs> um, all right. What I mean, I think we've hit a lot of big, big picture topics here uh, around the Pelicans. And like, that's like, the, 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 I think the one thing I, I wanted, I hammered on last night was just like the, this is a, this is an exercise in front office, everything. It's an exercise in prioritization. I feel like we're, a lot of the conversation ends up being very binary and, well, they either have this or they don't have that. And it's just like, well, that can be true, but there's also, <laughs> there's more nuance needed than that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. The Pelicans don't have, don't have much spacing. They do have more defense, uh, a more of a defensive identity than they had last year. And so you got to pick and choose some of these things. Um, they, they don't have shooting. They have more creation 
Um, you know, and so that's probably not true because you lost a guy like Drew. But uh, but you know, the point is, like in the offseason, you've yeah, got they to don't pick... have more creation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they def- they definitely don't. Um, but you've got to pick and choose what skill sets you're prioritizing um, over the course of an offseason uh, and, and just roll with it. And then you, you learn things about yourself in the process. And, and so I think that's just the, that's the message I've, I've been trying to, um, to, to scream from the, from the rooftops is that, yeah, this, the Pelicans team does are, is bad at certain things, but if they were, if they had chosen in the offseason to make themselves better at those things, they'd be bad at other things instead. And so you can't have it all, especially with this New Orleans team. It's not going to happen over one course of one, one off season. And so, um, Let's just, uh, you know, big picture. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I mean, to, to really drive that point home, uh, and we could end it on this note, you know, of the players on the Pelicans roster, how many do you see contributing um, on, on in the second round of the playoffs? Mm. Uh, my, my gut immediately said four. Wow. Who's the four? <laughs> um, their entire starting lineup, except for, I mean, I, I was gonna say except for Lonzo, but I don't. I don't see. Bled, I mean, Bledsoe gets played off the floor in the playoffs. I disagree with that. I, I, I think starting point guard Bledsoe gets played off the floor, but you're talking about who would contribute. Bledsoe's a rotation player in the second round of the playoffs. I can't buy that. Yeah, I guess maybe if he's coming off the bench. Like tough, you could, you could, tough question you could, though. Yeah, like, no, like I it's mean, not, it's it not optimized. Like you know, if, if this Pelicans team were in the second round of the playoffs, like he wouldn't be a starting point guard. Or he's not. You know, he may start, but he's the first guy out, and yeah. So yeah, I, like he's not finishing yeah. games, I guess. Maybe Hart, maybe, maybe in the right situation. But that's about it, right? You know, like it's it's not, and 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 I don't think you know the Pelicans' top guys are. James Harden level, Steph Curry level guys that can really elevate um, lower level role players to seem better than they are. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you, if you have Denwell House on this team, he's not looking as good as he looks with James Harden. If you have Ben McLemore sure. on this team, he's not looking like he does with James Harden. And so part of it's that, you know, part of it's the top guys aren't top, top guys yet. Uh, and they're young. So there's, there's time to be, but, but yeah, it's, it's tough. And so it's going to take, a while um, hang in there. Enjoy the, the fun stuff. Enjoy Nikhil Alexander's random point outings. Enjoy Jackson Hayes talking trash down 20. Um, you know, that's, that's what I'm in it for the season for. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. everyone my name is colin kelly and i have one question for you do you love fantasy football and do you want to win in 2021 
Then be sure to check out Rotoviz Overtime and all the other Rotoviz podcasts with new shows dropping every day on Blue Wire. We've got you covered for all things fantasy football. Subscribe to Rotoviz Overtime today.